Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So we are at episode 186. I think this is a really, really going to be a really, really insightful episode for many people because I think it's coming through an awful lot on the likes of DMs. I know Dallas got questions from as well, and this message coming in from clients and working with them quite closely. One of the things that kind of comes in is when or how to move away from self-worth being wrapped around your weight and kind of ways to unwrap it. And I think we'll kind of go through it a little bit more. And I know Dallas is going to go on rants and I'll just have to try and contain him. <laughs> how are we, Dallas? Uh, doing really, really well, so can't complain. Good, good. No, because I think the, the, this is going to be one of these episodes where this could go off on many, many different elements. And I think it's going to come back to many elements that we've covered before in previous episodes. The likes, the self-worth, the self-compassion, non-scale victories, not letting scales ruin your life and all that kind of stuff. So there is an awful lot to it. Um, but I think where to start really is with it. If you haven't guessed, we haven't written anything down. Um, as all <laughs> at all, uh, but I think the, I, I'll I'll go to Dallas first and see what he thinks about like what ways have you seen with clients in how or why they kind of bring their self worth into kind of what they weigh and like if someone's kind of like really really struggling with the element of weighing themselves, would you go cold turkey or would you go the other way of bringing it in and actually? trying to recognize and educate that way uh, i think everyone should take a drink now because it depends <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one but you have to kind of base it on the person for some people taking a cold turkey approach works lovely and for some people that like if you look at it from a point of view is someone who's got a trait of high extroversion right going cold turkey is going to be a little bit more successful someone who's got a trait the more you know a kind of negative outlook or neuroticism in life, taking a cold turkey approach is just only going to reinforce the negative beliefs. And this is the key. It's trying to understand, obviously, a trait that the person displays and has, but then also taking a look at if it's a value, if it's an identity or something the person holds, where does that identity come from? What calls the identity? So I know we've spoken about, about on previous podcasts, like the ABC method, like you've got your antecedents, your behavior, and your consequences. So it's like, what caused the behavior? What triggered it? What is the behavior that you do? And that is feeling bad about yourself, you know? So that means you don't step on the scale. And then the consequence is you always look at the scale as a problem. So it's trying to understand more of a self-worth aspect and why your identity is linked. So if you can dig through the uncomfortable parts, which is where has this stem from? Why are you feeling this way? How come it's there? And what do you do to reinforce this behavior? Then can you start unraveling it and start actually stepping away from this identity, this story, this construct that you created? I'll play, devil's, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here. So I'll, I'll be the client like we did. Uh, uh, what have I decided to do? <laughs> I haven't had caffeine. Um, so I'll play devil's advocate here. And I'm going to come to you as a client who has yo-yo dieted. I have come to you with the whole element of that. I've grown up with the media telling myself. I think women will struggle more with this. Lads are struggling with it now as well, with that I need to be a certain weight to be accepted by society. Basically, grandparents, parents, siblings have all said that happiness is what you weigh. Mm -hmm. And I've latched on to that. Client to me. Oh, sorry, but we can't do it. <laughs> all right, so sorry to move simple. It's like, all right, I would like you to define what is happiness to you, but not to anybody else. So how do you see happiness? Getting away from the scales. Okay, and why do you see getting away from the scales as happiness? Because I know if it goes up, it will trigger me. Okay, so when you assume that when you step onto the scale, it's automatically a trigger, is that correct? Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about that then? So I, I know from what I've done previously, every time the scales has gone up, 
I've just kind of given up and I know I get sad and I feel I feel quite emotional. I don't I feel my self worth goes down quite drastically. Okay. So if I'm understanding you correctly, when you step on, your self-worth is then definitely linked to how you see the scale numbers going. Yeah. So if we take a different approach and take a look at it and go, if your self-worth wasn't linked to the scales, what would that mean? It means I'd be, I, I would be able to live the life I actually want to. Okay. So then what is stopping you from that making that jump? fear of kind of removing the scales or fear of actually stepping on the scales because there's a trigger there and it's always been there okay and where has the trigger come from well i was in slimming clubs for a very long time and that was like high five when you're down tut tut when you're up okay and when there was a high how did how did that make you feel I felt great and i, I felt that i succeeded I, I felt valued i felt that i was kind of moving in the right direction hmm and when you were low? I felt low and I felt like just giving it in and more often than not that I would give in and I would just kind of end up just kind of going back into old habits pretty quickly. Interesting. So based on how they created the structures and you assumed the structures, this is how you went through life? Yeah, I've done, I've done it for 20 years now and I, and I don't want my kids to make the same mistake. So if you're carrying on doing the same approaches now, how do you expect that to work with your kids? I can't see any way it's going to work with the kids, but it, it's it's the whole thing of I'm scared to step on. The fear is if that goes up, that makes me less of a person. And why would it make you less of a person? Because I think that the way that the kind of like if i if i look at what other people are doing and if i see society telling me that success is what what you weigh and how you look and that's where i've kind of picked up on that so societal norms are a big key in how you see and perceive yourself yeah, and I think so. It also comes from like my my granny su- suffered with her weight, my mom suffered with her weight, and that's always so. They would have talked negatively about themselves for a very long time, and mm-hmm. they would have had the same concerns. And I just don't want that to go on to the next generation. But if you harboring the same thoughts and feelings you're having now, how are you sure that this won't pass on to your kids? It's 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 going to pass on to my kids because the way I talk about myself. So then, what is the logical way of going through this? I can't see any logical way because I've lived my life without logic, really. Okay. So then would an alternative maybe looking at how we can see and frame the very nature of what is occurring in a better light? Yeah, big time. So what would be a small solution or what would be an alternative in way of looking at the scale? Well... You tell me, I think it's either stepping on it and kind of learning what it actually means or it's actually working in the background on why I attach so much leverage to it. Okay, so which one would you like to tackle first? The bit that wants me to take the easy route would be to educate, but I, I, but the bit that I know I need to work on is the self-esteem and, so, and that side of things, which I know you guys do. There we go. So if we're taking the self-esteem approach... So let's dig into it. Yeah. So what ends up happening when your self-esteem, when you do it, you've linked everything to the scales. So like some of the things that would come in would be like some of the sentences that will kind of come in my head, be I'd be happier. I'd be prettier. I'd be more popular. I'd be more confident. I'd finally feel like myself, but I know myself that it's not a healthy loop to be in Mm. of like, associating i'll be accepted by everyone else if i look a certain way because i don't know that how could you know it how many people's minds exactly so where is the disassociation from you changing your perspective to you where you are now i don't know okay so when you have that feeling of self-esteem and you have that where you predict what someone's going to feel about you how often does it occur Oh, it's probably on a daily basis. I think that people are looking at me because I look a certain way or weigh a certain thing. Okay. And if your friend came to you and told you the same thing, what would you say? Shut up, Mary. 
No, I'd be, but like, I, I know what the answer is. I know that, that it's silly and it's internalized. And it's one of those things that's been built up and built up and built up. I know that I'm trying to predict people's minds. I know what you're going to say here, that you can't free people's minds. You can't predict the future. But it's because it's so ingrained in me, as you said at the very beginning, it's a story that has become a truth. So the only way to rewrite your story is to start again and start looking at what aspects are there hard evidence for. Is there any evidence for you predicting what people are thinking about you? Nope, never has, never will be. So this is where we start with. Start looking at it going, what can we truly control? Where is the evidence? And then from there, we build this story out for who we really are, based it on maybe some values. Yep, I, and I agree. And I think I'm going to unclient myself now. I'm back to Shane. Um, no, I, I think it has to be like, you have to break it down layer by layer. And it's also being able to have that that chat with your coach. I think no, that's a huge thing, but also some people will struggle to open up because they've believed it for so long. They're scared of where it's going to take them because they haven't, they've pushed stuff down for so, so long. Mm -hmm. I had a breakthrough with a client yesterday. Um, and that she'd never said any of this before. And she sent it on a text message and was kind of like crying right in the text message. And if she's listened to this, she'll know who she is. Um, it's one of those things that like, I say this to my clients and a few of them have laughed back at me. It's like, change isn't hard. Maths are hard. Change is uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and it's being willing to bit by bit, Lego by Lego, block, build up, build up, build up, and, and actually construct something that you want to do. Is it easy? Absolutely not. But if you're, you also have to take in kind of like not going by what only your physical appearance is because it kind of neglects the actual person themselves. It mm -hmm. kind of neglects that what you believe you actually deserve. Like if you're constantly berating yourself and your partner beside you is kind of telling you that you look amazing and that you, and you don't believe it, that's very hard for yourself. And that's very hard for your partner to hear. Because if you don't love yourself, I'm not talking about loving yourself, that you'll chocolate and you eat yourself. Um, but being able to accept flaws, warts and all like, and it's not easy to do. And there'll be days where you get triggered. There'll be days something, something or someone has said to you, something will be showing up on your feed. Um, and I think it's, it's being able to be a little bit more selfish in how you critique yourself mm. um, and actually give yourself a compliment. I know we've got to, I give some of my clients like a, a exercise to do on giving themselves acknowledgements for success or how they look and how they feel. And there's 10 things they have to write down and about four or five, they stop. Yeah. Cause they can't, they just can't do it because it feels too unnatural. It feels alien to them when it's probably more important to find those other three, four five, whatever it may be. And I think, I don't think people realize that I think everyone's a little bit dissatisfied in how they look. I don't think it matters. Like even if you look at the rock, the rock still strives to get bigger. If you look at other, there's always times like I know if you find a photo, you could find a flaw in a photo. The eyes will go straight towards the flaw. They won't look for the positive. And most people will pay all the money in the world to get surgery if they wanted and that's completely up to their own person they put on filters to look a certain way to people and they will even do catfish go to the point of catfish because there's that insecure yeah and this spreads the message of the toxic message that just as i am is not enough mm. and that's the hardest part for a lot of people is that they're they don't believe they're enough when that's a story that is in their head I think weight is only a very small measure of what someone actually measure of health. It's not actually measures the worth of someone else. Weighing yourself on a piece of plastic is the relationship between yourself and gravity. 
it's it's not like we had put the we put the attachment to it. We had put the emotion to it. Yep. Nothing else does it. I think there's I think I said the quote to you. Uh, to by Eleanor Roosevelt, no one can, no one or no thing can make you feel inferior without your consent. So no one or no thing can make you feel inferior without your consent. So we choose to give the power to the scales because it's what we've done. If someone says something negative to you, you can either bounce it off, or if someone say, if you say something negative to you, you tend to latch onto it mm. because it's easier. You accept it. But if you believe that criticism chips away, chips away, chips away, chips away all the time, you start to kind of like lose the discovery and self-appreciation of actually how lucky we are to be on the planet one because it's, I don't know what the odds are, but it's something crazy to be actually on the planet. And we need to cultivate and offer the best we can because otherwise we're being really selfish if we're not offering our family, the, the people around us, the, the best offering that we can actually give. I think you can also go like a step further and then look at it from thoughts aren't real in a sense. You're not your feelings comes yeah. to mind. And like I know when um, we met up, we like I was telling you about the cake analogy. Um, how if we equate our how we deal with our feelings and our emotions and thoughts as baking a cake. And that if you're so in a rush to put on the icing when it comes out the oven, right, and you know it's heat is still hot, it's still trying to dissipate, and you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm in a rush. I, I don't care about this. I'm not going to take the time to let it cool and dissipate. You just slap the icing on and keep going, and you come back and you notice the icing's melted, fallen off, and the cake sinks because you didn't apply the time that was necessary to allow the emotions to dissipate, i.e. the heat in this time, so they can cool down so it's ready for a different environment, so it's ready for change, so that you can put the icing on. And that applies to us in the same position. We often step on the scale and allow the thought to come up, but we don't allow it to just dissipate. We automatically latch onto it and go, no, that is real. But it's like, who's to say that's real? Or when you can take a behaviorist view from it and saying that all thoughts are behaviors, you've primed this, you've believed this, you've created the behavior every time you step on that scale and made that like, yes, I believe that thought, I believe that, that you're putting into action. What happens if you just stood there for five minutes and just let your mind wander? It's not going to stay on, I am bad, I am bad, I'm bad. You're going to have different things. Surf the urge, surf the wave. Surf the urge is interesting because I've been reading something at the minute and they talk about the animal brain and the, the human brain. Yeah, limbic. Yeah. Um, and the animal brain is the bit that, you see that, that doesn't have any logic and the human brain is the bit that has logic. And generally when it's kind of like the animal brain will kind of go through all these fleeting negative thoughts and it's up to us if we bite. It's up to us if that actually gets eaten, that negative thought. Yep. Well, the human thoughts tend not to get latched onto. That human thoughts tend not to get recognized and they tend not to actually be adhered to or be listened to at all. It seems to be the animal thing because animal instincts. Yeah. We do things without thinking. Animals will think, but then they'll kind of like, the next time you'll see a, dog, a bird crash into the window here. Like it, there's, I think that we also, what we need to try and do with the fitness industry is we need to try and take health away from being a number because very long for a very long time it was BMI Ooh, yeah. and my dad even sent me an article uh, the other day and I, he was like this will be interesting for you because he knows how much I don't like the BMI because dad has lost weight himself that dad's lost two and a half stone since the first lockdown um, and one of the big things about it is like the BMI is kind of like kind of like using Roman numerals to uh, to enter in on your phone. Like it doesn't really make any sense. It's a very old metric. But we need to try and move away from like a BMI percentage because one, the rock would be overweight and severely obese if that was the case. He's always the example I'm going to give. We should try and move it away from certain measurements. We try and 
try and move away from being of a certain body fat percentage, a certain away from a certain being on scales. Health should actually be it's how you live your life, how you live your life for you, how you live your life for others, how you live your life for yourself. Being obsessive isn't healthy. Talking negatively to yourself, and even in your mind, if you're not actually verbalizing this, but you're talking to yourself in that way, isn't healthy either. Striving for perfection isn't healthy either. I think what what a lot of people don't realize is that what actually is healthy and what health is to me, this is my definition, is actually loving yourself the way you actually are and making good food, making good choices for your physical and mental health. Mm. I know myself, if my mental health isn't there. From someone who's had massive struggles with mental health, if my mental health isn't playing ball, it's not, I'm not a nice person to be around. Mm. It's about, I know I talk about the five F's and we've created this journal for the group coaching clients and the, group, the coaching clients may get this about being balanced. Talking about the five F's and trying to have like 20% in each of those rather than trying to have 60% only in finance and then everything else is getting neglected. Mm. Sometimes you need to kind of take a step back and say, well, why am I feeling like this? Why am I being triggered by a certain thing? You have, to, you have to be able to say and question because the, lo- the logic isn't there. The logic is something that has floated away and hasn't really been caught again. It's like a balloon going up into the sky and it just kind of floats away and you can't be able, you're not able to get it. Mm-hmm. You have to embrace your uniqueness. Uh, you have to be able to embrace where you're at. You have to embrace how you want to look. The thoughts will go around and around in your head. And it can be quite tiring. And that really, really fatigues the head, really fatigues what you want to do. But I think it's important for you to say that you have to be your own best friend. And as cheesy as that sounds, you do have to be your own best friend. Like it's, you're, the per- you're the person who you spend most of your time with. Yeah. Well, you should be anyway. <laughs> it's also, why would you spend all that time hating yourself? I went like, that's a terrible way of going. And that brings up like something else that came up in... A call that I had recently was kind of like, well, I, I'm doing this because I hate my body. I'm like, no, I, I, that's not going to work. That hasn't worked for you before. It needs to come from a point of view is that you're trying to add to what you're doing, trying to add and celebrate what you've had. Like if you're a mom embracing that you've, you've given birth, some people can't give birth. Mm. And we also look at it from, oh, I need a, I need a slimline stomach to be accepted by society. I think girls need to realize that girls have uteruses and there's a little bump that's going to happen. Some will be more protruding than others. And it needs to be accepted that we shouldn't have to be slim line stomach, whatever it may be, to be healthy and fit healthy. Yeah, but then it's also you're making an assumption that for you to be accepted, everyone has to be the same way. But we already know that's not what we want. I'm like, do, do you want your partner to be exactly the same as your friend's partner? I'm like, no. What you're attracted to, what you like in a person is completely different to what other people do, thanks to, you know, nature versus nurture type of thing. So it's like, if you can understand that part, why can't you take that same assumption and put it to yourself where there is going to be differences, there's no ideals, everything is up for grabs, and that's the way of life. Yeah, I think the value that people put into it is also attaching these very, very harsh, critical words and put labels on themselves, like the words like obese, fat, overweight, and they're triggers for many. Mm. Um, and they just come out of people so quickly now. They're so flippant. They just sort of like, they're just kind of like, they're almost immune to it. But when someone else says it to them, they get triggered because it's easier for them to say it because they have control over the words. And if we... But we're like, I think a lot of people need to realize that we're more than a stat, we're more than a number, we're more than a category on a pie chart or whatever it may be. We're more than a body shape. We're more than what magazines tell us. We're, we're a hell of a lot more than that. We need to kind of like realize that it's up to us to actually accept that we're only on this planet for a very short time. I don't think people realize, I think the last year, year and a half of COVID, it's kind of made people realize that like it kind of flies by pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, our thoughts are unique we're unique we need to embrace that side of things and I think I don't think people I think people need to move away from like I need to weigh less to be accepted I need to look slimmer to be accepted 
I need to try harder to get to those goals because it's hustle, hustle, hustle. I need to look a certain way. I need to do CrossFit five times a week when potentially you're putting yourself at risk healthily, health-wise, mentally, potentially losing your cycle if you're a girl. Um, I think you need to give yourself the power of like actually accepting who you are and it's not easy if you're knocked down all the time but a lot of people now just have taken over that mantle for knocking themselves down because it's easier yeah we replace one sin for another sin that's the way people want to look at it we fix one and then the other but that also comes down to a lot of behaviours as well it's like um, understanding that I was having a conversation with one of the clients this week um, about like a binge in the first time it happens can be a very positive thing in the sense that it's positive that it adds something to your life, right? And it's not a good or bad thing. It's a positive that it added a behavior that helped you cope with something, right? So in the same instance, it added a behavior, it helped you cope with something, and then recurring, it now becomes a negative reinforcement, i.e. it's not a positive or bad thing. It is now taking something away. So in the first time, it allowed you to cope. The second time, it's now taken away from health. And every behavior follows that same approach where we think it's going to be doing and the thing we go, oh, I'm going to tell myself I haven't done good this week. I'm going to tell myself. And it gets you to do something. That was a positive in reinforcement for you to do something but if you take that to the extremes that means that you're now overworking you're never good enough because you keep telling yourself i need to do more i haven't done good enough so you keep adding more and more and more and to the point where where's your self-care where's your ability to do anything how can you help anyone because all you're doing is just assuming more because it's that voice in your head that says more I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the guys on the on the episode now whoever listening to this someone the homework that I gave the clients about appreciating yourself. So if you've got a pen and paper, get it handy or else take it on your phone and stop us every ten seconds. So it's called appreciating yourself. It's about an exercise by an amazing lady called Kirsten Neff, who's in America. So list ten things about yourself that you really like or appreciate. These don't have to be qualities you display all the time, just some of the time. As you write down each quality, see if you can notice any uncomfortable feelings, embarrassment, fear, vanity, unfamiliarity. If discomfort comes up, remind yourself that you're not claiming you're better than anyone else or that you're perfect. You're simply noting the good qualities that you sometimes display. Everyone has good features. See if you can acknowledge and enjoy these positive aspects of yourself, lingering over them and really taking them in. There are 10 of them you must write it out, out, out 10 different ones. If the, remember, if the discomfort's coming up, remind yourself that you are not claiming you're better than anyone else, and that's where people struggle. Okay, so let's take it a step further. Let's go for it on the call, or technically on the podcast. And then so am, I client, am I client again? Yeah. So my own podcast, my own client. <laughs> so go through your 10, let's hear them, and if we experience a discomfort, we can talk about it. Okay. Uh, God. Um, I'm friendly. Uh, caring. I am bubbly most of the time. <laughs> Dallas to say otherwise. Um, I am healthy. Um, I am strong mentally I am family orientated I am there for others I am my own person I am okay by myself and I am I am I'm willing to be wrong amazing yeah how does it feel? It feels liberating because like when you think about it, when you, when you get to the one about kind of like mentally strong, that's the one that would be the trigger for me. Mm. Because for so long, it was like, when I first went to counseling and stuff, it was like, you build it up in your head, once again, tell these stories, that's like mentally weak if you're going to talk to someone. Mm. 
But when you say it out and you write it out enough times, which is what I've had to do with these positive affirmations that we work with clients, we've done the work ourselves, clients, if you're listening to this, um, we've done the homeworks ourselves. Um, it's one of those things, it's kind of like, it, 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 they don't feel alienated to me, they don't feel foreign to me anymore. Mm. Because I've, I've kind of written them out so many times. It's interesting because not only does it allow you to see who you possibly in your eyes are, but also gives you an idea of not only where you have come, where you are going. And I think and that's a big thing about changing just perspectives of yourself. And it's, also, it's also another marker of how far I've come. That's not a number. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to loop back in is that it doesn't have to be a number to see progress. It doesn't have to be a certain size on a weighing scale or a certain size in clothing or anything like that. It could be that you're having health at a different size. You're having health in a different way. You have to think about it the way health doesn't have an end goal. Like the end goal is to survive as long as possible. <laughs> but we put on these metrics because we're sat obsessed. Like if you look at a football match now, it's like you can have, see how many, you can, you can um, morph any stat to midpoint go into your argument. Like someone is one of the most headers or whatever it may be, or past possessions or past percentages or whatever it may be. But we're the ones that put the power into that. We're the ones that create those stats. We're the ones that we latch onto those stats because they're easier to go for because it takes away from the person or removes the person from those stats. But when it's an exercise like that, that actually reveals the person. And that's where people get awkward. Yeah, because you're confronted with the truth now. Yeah. Uh, but like, and I, 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 I'm going to hold my hands up. I wouldn't have been able to do that four years ago. Oh, yeah. But I, think I wouldn't even have attempted it four years ago. Yeah, no, no it's an amazing thing to see. I'm going I'm to turn the question back at you. Uh, what are my 10 things that I love about myself? If you start talking about your biceps, I'm going to go nuts. It <laughs> <laughs> was literally what I was saying, biceps. <laughs> Uh, I'm loving, I'm caring, I'm generous. I love truth. I'm happy to change in the face of adversity. I'm willing to calm down and guide. I enjoy being the shoulder for others. I love being that person in, in the whole. I have a lot to give everybody around me. I love the closest people around me and love being there for them. Family's a big thing for me, even though surprising the family's halfway around the world. <laughs> Um, in terms of myself, it's I consider myself a rock in terms of the way and how I see things, but also consider myself as a person that is happy to have fun. I'm happy in myself. I am happy in general. I love smiling. I love bringing that to it. And the humor is a big aspect of me. But it's also recognizing those things that sometimes my humor comes out because, well, it's a nervous situation. And sometimes I get really nervous about things because I care. And I'm like, it's recognizing those things. And that as well as like, you see me rant and you see me lash out from time to time. And it's me accepting those things that they come from a point because I really want to see people change. And I really don't want people going through some of the things they have to go through. So it's recognizing those things. But it's a part of me that I understand that is a helpful thing. And it's a good thing. But it's also something that can be used and over abused. Yeah. No, and I would agree, uh, especially the, there's not a day that Dallas doesn't send some stupid video over to me or some stupid <laughs> photo. Uh, if, if he was, uh, yeah, if I was a proper HR person, I would have sent it to complaints by now. <laughs> uh, yes, that's so true. Um, I, think, I think what we need to try and bring in now is kind of in relation to Stepping on the scales, cold turkey, or, or sorry, stepping on the scales or going cold turkey. I'm on, as you said, it depends on the client. Oh. And it depends on the person. I think I would be one of those if someone is really, really struggling with the whole thing. We have to do the, we have to do the groundwork in order to get into the point. But it's also like if they don't want to step on it, they don't want to step on it. Yeah. But I do think the groundwork needs to be done in the background, whether or not, because if we're still attaching metrics to what we're doing then we're still not attaching the right 
values to what we want to do. We're mm. like the thoughts and memories that we have are, are unique to our own DNA upon everything else. We have, we have to realize that we have actual value apart from what society and media wants us to think. Yeah. We have value apart from our actual income, but that's another metric people will put themselves up against. And Irish people are renowned for doing this, putting people down if they're in a certain amount, renowned for it. We have a value over whether we have own a house or not, whether we've got kids or not. We have value. It's unchanging. It's unequivocal. It's perfect value. But so many people will value stepping on a scale more than actually being with themselves, being content with themselves because they think it's selfish. Yeah. And the other element of kind of, if someone was to step on scales, is the other side of things of, and I've read some research on it before we came on, I was kind of like, well, stepping on once a week, but stepping up on a Wednesday, if you're going to step on it. Because it's mid during the week, because the diet starts Monday thing is taken out of your head. Yep. It's in the middle of the week, so you potentially have kind of, if you overindulge at the weekend, one, you're human. Um, two, you're human. Uh, three, you're human. I can go on if you want. Um, and... The, if you're doing it on a Wednesday, the, the water weight or from the for the extra calories or the the water weight from the extra carbohydrates, carbs are not bad. They will just carry one to three or one to four grams of water in your body weight. So if you do have a little bit more excess carbs, so I just have to clarify that. Uh, but the body will regulate itself by then, uh, hopefully, if you've just kind of pressed reset. So it's a, it's a check-in in a day that you don't normally don't do it. Uh, I wouldn't weigh in after your night's out. Wouldn't weigh in after that. If you're doing your check-in with your coach, bring it forward a day or bring it after a day or whatever it may be. But if you're in a shit headspace and you're going to step on the scales and your self-esteem is low, you are like running into traffic and expecting not to get hit by a car. It's also, like as you point out, that's very correct. But I'm a, I'll also sometimes push clients for that very reason to try that. And I think it depends on the client, as we said. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's got to depend on the client, but you've also, it comes down to me knowing them to the point that I know, right, you're in a position now to go, right, step on that scale when you're not feeling uh, in a good mood, see what thoughts come up, and now go, right, now listen, deal with those thoughts. Yeah. Because in the journal thing. Exactly. We're using it not only to understand our behaviors, but we're also trying to teach a better process on how can we deal with some of these issues. And that's the biggest key. It's like when you're at your lowest low and you know you've got your back, you know you've got your back when you're at the highest of highs. You shouldn't be the person who only has your back at the high, when you're at the highs. I'm like, you're the only one that's going to drag you out of the, your tough thoughts your tough positions you the one who's got your own back here so it's like don't leave it up to chance and just go oh look i'm having a bad day and that's it so it's like as you get better at knowing yourself as you understand yourself more so can you push the realms of what you can do for yourself to the point that you're in a position where it's a bad day you step on the scale and you go ah who cares and that's where you're getting to. It's you've got to understand that it's going to be uncomfortable, but you're building up your repertoire of tools to deal with life. Yeah, I do think I've used the. I know I've used the um, the journal thing. I know we use a food, uh, we use a, food, a mood and food journal for a few clients, and about recognizing how you feel before, how you feel on, and how you feel during or after. Should I say, uh, you step on the scales could recognize a trigger, could recognize a trend. Like, is there certain times of the month that you're like that way? Or is there after certain events, is it that way or whatever it may be? And you recognize the trend of whether someone said something to you or you have you watched social media before you came on and that's triggered you going to weigh yourself? Or are you feeling blah and you're kind of stepping on it anyway? Because that could demoralize your mood. And then what can happen for some people as well, I'm in this low mood, the scale's gone up, throwing everything out the towel. I'm kind of like, it's not really bringing yourself to your goal. Nope. Um, and I know I'm going to say something very bro right now, and this may trigger some people. I'm aware if someone has an eating disorder, please do go and talk to the, the mental health professionals and the powers that be. Uh, Jamie Wright, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, number 177 on binge eating. He's incredible. 
Um, so I'd highly recommend talking to Jamie um, on that side of things. But I think it's it's important for us to kind of realize that we 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 have a choice in how we react, and we also have a choice in how we on who we want to become. Mm-hmm. And it's about putting the actions and steps into that. And then it comes to self-belief and self-value that you may not be worthy for it, but that's a story that you've created. That's not known as an absolute fact. You've created that story as a fact to yourself. Yeah. And it that's de- where... Oh, okay. No one. That's where goal thinking comes in. Yeah. And this is, this is what we try to teach the people. Does this line up with my goals? And I went, it makes it really black and white, and black and white thinking is good for a time, but you are going to then progress out of that goal thinking as well. It's understanding that what is the hierarchy of goal here? If my goal is weight loss and what am I doing here, is it actually bringing me to that goal? The choices I make need to align with that goal. And that means you can look at everything as a whole. And you see athletes do this on a high level because that's what it is. I want to get to the Olympics. So that means anything and everything breeds my higher goal. The sleep I get means I get closer um, to my goal. The amount of protein I get, closer to the goal. The amount of meditation I do, closer to my goal. And that's goal-oriented processing or thinking. But that doesn't mean everything has to be that way. It's starting that way and then start recognizing that there are other ways to do this. And that's the key. It's a good starting place for a lot of people. But as you pointed out, if you happen to have a disorder, please go get help. Yeah, um, I think some of the stuff that I've kind of written down and I've noticed has helped to kind of people I know will probably finish up on on this in relation to ways that will help you to improve your self-worth. So one of the things that I kind of help to try and help people is there's a thing called ANTS, which is anti-negative thoughts, and trying to create like a daily credit list. So if a negative thought comes in, you reaffirm it by two positive thoughts. So that means you're 1-0 up. You're one up on the day. And that want you to do that right away. Five things you've done today that you give yourself credit for. Is it spending time with your kids? Is it having a glass of water? Is it having more protein? Whatever it may be. And then think about these actions related to the type of person you are and who you want to become. Are they aligned? Are they matched? So create a daily credit list. Consider number two is kind of consider the kind of the root connection of what's going on. Where did it come from? Um, where did you start connecting yourself with to how you look, your waist, your size, your shape? Was it a comment at school? Was it a relative? And some, a lot of times it's relative and, and bullying at school and stuff. Was there a message in the media where you, was it just created in the media and you were kind of looking at magazines there in the house all the time and that was it? Mm. Was, it, a, was, it was it a constructed by external factors and that became an internal factor? For yourself it really could like if you can pinpoint this it could change your life you can really really see and dig deep you need to embrace what makes you unique it's a very very tough question because people see it as selfish and you don't have to think about it right now you don't have to write something down right now but you and it may sound like very kumbaya or whatever it may be but you have to embrace your uniqueness even twins have a different reaction to carbohydrates and that's that that's the uniqueness everyone has different dna everyone has different personalities ideas senses everything so it's huge to embrace your uniqueness on that figure out what your purpose is derive your self-worth from doing good from inspiring someone but from living from what you actually want to do not from your clothing size not the number on the scales not your bmi not a fucking number again once you realize that your goals you're actually likely to actually accomplish them because you start focusing more on this and focus less than what's on your thighs and what's on your belly, what's on a belt notch, whatever it may be. You you could do a, you could try to create the environment for you, get rid of the triggers out of the house, get rid of the triggers, delete your social media feed. Like for the love of Christ, how many episodes am I in now? And how many times have I said, get rid of your social media feed? The other one that you could do is act like the person you want to become and fake it until you make it. Oh, I'll play devil's advocate on that one, but carry on going. I know. I, I knew that was going to trigger you. I knew that was going to do it. Because some ah. people will be like, well, that's just going to create some sort of other element down the line. They're acting like someone else to to, 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 to fit in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I knew that was going to come. Uh, give yourself the power. 
and that's coming from that whole Eleanor Roosevelt thing of no one can make you feel inferior without your uh, consent. If you're de- if you're getting comments all the time about how you look and how you wait, take yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Take yourself away if it's if it's from relatives and stuff, or it's from friends or whatever it may be. Why are you in that circle? Surround yourself who you want to be with. Don't automatically assume that anyone is the expert on you. You're the only expert. You're the only real one that actually knows how to how you work and how you tick. Everyone is unique. You, when you start actually taking care of yourself, you start feeling good on what you actually want to do. When you start creating the environment, the ownership, the relationship with yourself, that's when health is truly existent. Yeah. No, you've hit it on the nail there. Except for fake it you make it, that drives me nuts. <laughs> but I, knew, I think it depends what state you're in in order to do that one. Um, and it's kind of like, there are sometimes when... I know when I was doing sales, we were told to smile on the phone yeah. so that the words would come out and someone on the phone will feel a little bit happier. That's the kind of element is if you're smiling a little bit more or if you're having one of these positive affirmations to yourself each day, that's almost like fake it till you make it. And you're writing the big stain and over time that's kind of creating, that's making it eventually. Yeah. It's also an aspect and the reason why I get annoyed by it is because you're still assuming the same identity, but then putting on a persona and going, yeah, this is going to do all and solve everything instead of going, yeah, let me just change how I see things. It's like, there you go. You, you've just had to put on a different pair of glasses and now you can see the world in that frame of mind. So it's like, you're not really doing anything except kidding yourself. And then people are like, oh, but I get that behavior from that person. It's like, no, it's because you've changed, but you don't want to recognize it. You still want to hold on to the past. So that's why I get annoyed in that sense. And I won't carry on ranting on that. <laughs> no, but I think, and I'm glad you did because we don't have to agree on everything that we do or one. say. Um, and that's literally just one of those things that it depends on where the person's at once again. For most people, they may not be able to do that or nor should do that. Oh, yeah. But I'm of the belief that of like acting like the person you want to become. Like if you like for me, the big thing for myself is is kind of like it's not my identity, but the big thing for myself is having the success of business. So having coaches being able to work with more people so I can help more people get away from the stupid shit that they've done and mm-hmm. helping people work on that and with themselves. And if I have other people that are like that, then I can bring in more people in. But acting like the person I've become, having my routine having my environment set for me, having my phone screen time down to a certain level, having my rigid times where I'm kind of right, I'm going to train or I'm going to walk or whatever it may be. That's what I mean by trying mm-hmm. to fake it until you make it. But then it leads to the question, are you truly faking it or you're adopting a lifestyle and an environmental change? That allows- but I was faking it at the beginning, but now it's a, now it's a habit, now it's a routine. But so then are you actually faking it though? Because all you did was change the routine and went, oh, no, I'm going to do this. But by doing the routine change... And putting the behaviors and changing the environment, you inevitably became what you were looking to strive for because you put the time and effort into change. I have to, fa- I had to fake it in order to do it at the beginning in relation to, in order to kind of adapt what other people were doing mm-hmm. and uh, where I wanted to be, and then bring that to to what I wanted to do because it was never, I never had some sort of structured routine beforehand. Yeah, no, I like it because it's two sides to the coin. Yeah, and again, I think. I think that's always a good thing on like an episode or on anything that you're having. Like you can't have an argument without knowing the, the pros and the cons or being able to argue both sides. If you don't know both sides, so then you don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like what I was telling you this morning. One of my like revolutionary ways, and it's not mine a revolutionary way, but one of the ways I like looking at things as I've been uh, looking at for evidence bases and kind of questioning the mental models because mental models need to be questioned is a firm held belief, whatever that may be, what evidence do I need to believe or what evidence do I need to see for me to change my my mind? Like, do you know how revolutionary that could be when you look at things and you go like, so right, this is how I see myself. What evidence do I need to see so I uh, would change my mind? And by doing that, you can now look for the evidence because what we usually do on a daily basis is confirmation bias. We look to reaffirm the things we know. 
we look to find the evidence that approves of what we believe. Now, when you're in a position going, hey, this is a firm belief I hold, but is there something that would change my mind? And there always will be. So that means now when you know that there is something that can change your mind, you have the ability to be open to and receptive to receive that information so you can challenge it. And that's the beauty. So I think... I think for to sum up the episode is we need to move away from the metrics of what fitness and health are. We need to look at it from a more holistic point of view of being able to challenge thoughts and actually willing to actually want to to change. And that's the hardest part for a lot of people is change scares a lot of people because they're uncomfortable. They don't know where it's going to bring them. They, they know that they've been pushing down things for so long and all this kind of stuff. And then it's just going to boil to the top. And that's where a lot of things kind of come up. And I think we need to move away from the metrics. If you are kind of reluctant to step on the scales, you need to look at why you're reluctant to step on the scales. Get uncomfortable with that. If you are reluctant to step on the scales, you could go to the other approach of stepping on it on a Wednesday rather than a Monday or a Friday or a Saturday or Sunday. Mm. You also have to remember that you don't go into a shop looking for a size 70 kilos. You go into a shop looking at it to see how your clothes are feeling. So when someone says to me that I need to be a certain weight to buy a wedding dress, I'm like, no, you don't. You don't need to lose that nine and a half kg. Because that was one of the DMs that I got this morning. And I think there's an amazing quote by, I'm going to murder this person's name, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm -hmm. To be beautiful means to be yourself. You don't need to be accepted by others. You need to be accepted by yourself. Preach. Preach. To be beautiful means to be yourself. You don't need to be accepted by others. You need to accept yourself. And I think that is a beautiful way to sum up this episode. Dallas, thank you very much, sir. As always, it's always a pleasure. Guys, if you've enjoyed the episode at all, please do tag us up on your story. We will continue to do them. You may have seen that we've kind of upped the ante in with the like some of the amazing guests that have kind of come on. Like I know Dallas's idol was on last Monday or yeah, Monday just gone. Um, so like we've had Tom Coleman on, we've got Susan Niebergal, we've got Dr. Stacy Sims. Oops. So when I'm recording this, I'm recording her, her episode will be out. It'll be one, eight, three. If you listen to it, we've got a client interview, we've got Richie Norton, we've got Neve to Brune, we've got coaches corners, we've got podcasts coming out of our ears. Um, so Dallas, thank you so much. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.